0: If you're listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, it means you are ready to have a major breakthrough in your business. That is why we invite industry experts onto this show so you can fill your mind with valuable information. We exist because we believe business owners are the real investors of the economy. Here's your host, Charles Schwen from Flying Kite. Welcome to Candid Conversations. I'm your host, Charles Schwen. Today, we have a guest, of course. And uh, she is speaking to me by Cape Town. Who is this mystery guest? Show yourself, reveal yourself.:
1: Yes, hi everyone. I'm Anina Hayes. I am the founder of British Social, and we are a boutique marketing agency here in Cape Town.
0: Your name, I for some reason, I always get it um, for me, it's a tongue twister, so i try to remember Nania, no. Anina, Nania, <laughs> Anina, that's how I remembered it. So okay. if I slip out by calling you Nania, please forgive me.
1: <laughs> no
0: problem so i first saw you when you well heard of you when you were on uh, the podcast with Warwick kearns and uh i know you you also you you are a fellow speaker and uh i i just loved how your story is and how practical you were with everything and i'll i just want you to also go through some of the things that that were spoken about uh you mentioned a lot of stuff about um, emails email sorry not email a uh, newsletter marketing social media but we before we get to that everything there's a genesis so growing up I doubt or uh, correct me if I'm wrong doubt growing up you said to yourself hey I'm going to own a business and I'm going to call it pretty social it wasn't like that was it
1: no definitely not so, I actually had the Yes, go for it I actually had the dream of um, owning my own coffee shop or guest house So I think the idea was always there that I wanted to be my own boss And run my own business But it was a totally different idea that I had in mind So I wanted to do something in the hospitality industry And still working with people But also creating beautiful things Like a coffee shop or a guest house So, so is I coffee my... shop,
0: is that dream still there? So one day, or has it changed um, now?
1: It has changed a bit. I'll tell you why, because I did actually go on and study hospitality management after school. And after finishing my studies, I did work for about five years in the hospitality industry. So I worked at a wedding venue, which was very ideal for me because I learned a lot about the industry. And then I went on to working in boutique guest houses and even a an hotel in France. But the hours was just so difficult I and mean, it was long hours and at that time, I, I was almost in my fifth year of in the industry. And then I felt pre- pregnant with my first baby. And I just couldn't get it around my head to just work in this industry in the same hours um, when I have a baby. Mm. And that is when my focus actually changed. And I realized that I have to find something else that I'm also passionate about, but which will accommodate my hours better. Mm. And that's when I, I thought, okay, it's maybe now is a good time to to start my own business again. Mm. But I did then try to run my own events company, but that failed terribly due to the fact that I didn't have a lot of startup capital and I was still very young. So that that dream didn't realize, but I was okay with it. And I learned a whole lot of lessons through that process.
0: Mm. And and then afterwards you went to so if I I mean, you've been running your own business pretty social for December. will be five years now. Yes. I mean, if you, because I think there's nothing that teaches us more about experience. There's a lot of things you cannot learn in textbooks. You can listen to as many podcasts. You can watch videos. You can w- read books. You can watch movies. M- but it can't prepare you for that, right? There's so many things that... Exactly. So, so you said, you mentioned some you mentioned of the mistakes that you made. So knowing what you know now now you have five years of solid and you have, if I remember correctly, four or five staff. So if you can go back, what do you think you would have done? What, what would you coach yourself differently? You say, hey, listen, uh, young Anina, this is what you can do and uh, to survive. What would you, I mean, if you, if you look at these reflective uh, points, what would you say to yourself?
1: Well, I think at that time I the mistake that I made is that I didn't invest a whole lot of time in myself in myself to grow my skills. And even though I had some experience in in the events industry for for a while, I still didn't have the business experience of running my own business. And what I did differently when I started pretty social was I did a whole lot of um, reading up, doing some online courses listening to the correct post- podcast to grow myself and my skills in order to survive in running my own business so mm. and i think i didn't have the the how can i say the guts to keep on going i think i gave up very soon <laughs> i think i could have if i tried a bit further and and longer i would have made it work but i think i gave up just too soon mm. and that is something that i learned a lot <laughs> or I'll give up, i give huh? up
0: Oh. And, and But then uh, there was a gap before you started your own business. You worked in marketing for two car dealerships. Um, if I remember correctly, it was during that time that kind of sparked an interest in digital marketing. Am I right?
1: Yes. So I worked for, the, for a motor group and I moved between various um, dealerships. And I was doing everything from the core launches to the print advertising, the email marketing, the website. So it was a very holistic marketing approach that I had to look after. And also social media, which was a part of it. And when I started focusing on the social media or started working with it, I really fell in love with the digital side of the marketing. So, And that is when I started doing my online courses and training at I had a coach that did a Facebook training course with me and that is where I really fell in love with the digital side.
0: So what do you Um, love the most about digital? Which, 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 what aspects about it?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the main thing is because it's so measurable. So whatever you do, you can really test different strategies and you can actually see what's happening at each. Whereas with print media, there's, there's no real way of measuring the effect that it has. So I like that you can, with social media and digital marketing, you can see what's working and capitalize on that and Mm. improve it even further in order to get the the best results. Okay. So especially with doing the social media for the car dealerships, Mm. I could see the results that we're getting from it. And then I want to dive deeper and see what can we do better and how can we improve this. So that's where I started on the social side.
0: And with car dealership, the most important thing, they need to sell cars. Right? Exactly. So you can tell your manager, oh, we did this beautiful ad. They don't care. They need to see how many cars yeah. they sold. Right. Exactly. So what was the I mean, from, from all the years of learning, uh, can you remember any campaign that stood out that totally blew your mind when it came to like the amount of leads you got or it exceeded expectations? Or I mean, because you 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 have to try and learn different things. Was there any campaign yeah. that, that that stands out?
1: Um well. It's not really one campaign, but I will say rather a strategy that worked is where we, we tested all the, the social media advertising campaigns. And we, you can't, the thing that clicked for me was when I, I realized that you can't only sell. You can't only put an ad out there and ask people or tell people, this is my business, this is my product, and please come and buy from me. Um, but you need to to talk to those various stages of awareness. So someone that's not even looking for a car, but searching online or spending time online to someone that is already looking for a car, but don't know what car they like. And then someone that knows what car they want and then just finding the right place to buy it. So you need to have those different ads in place, talking to the various, the different people and the stages of awareness. So that yeah. was something that really...
0: Because that, that, is, that is such a valid point because it's a different mindset. For somebody that's not looking for a car, it, it, they didn't wake up today to say, hey, Nina, I'm going to buy a car. But some way, somehow, that you are smart enough to say, hey, maybe it's time to upgrade your car. They'll be like, huh, OK, this looks interesting. And then they start narrowing down to say, OK, perhaps I have a German car. Maybe it's time for me to try a Japanese car. And what are the latest models? What are the reviews saying? And then when you finally decide and sort your finances, then you look for the the place with, I suppose, the lowest mileage with the best reviews with the cheapest price.
1: Yes. And that is where the online side on the website is so important because you need to have the correct information on there, easy ways for people to contact you and know how to contact you and what is the first step that they need to take on your site in order to get in touch. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: So there, there are, if I remember correctly, pretty social, there's four basically, four uh, product offering. There's the social media, there's the newsletter, uh, and there is content marketing, and uh, there was something else, it was a web design.
1: Yes, web development.
0: Okay, so I see that you have a different approach, which uh, I found quite interesting. So normally, if people... Uh, phone you up and uh, you people will meet up and then and, and they'll discuss if they want to go forward or not. But I see on your side you work it differently. In order to actually secure a, a a a meeting with Pretty Social, you basically take them through the whole process. And this is not a free process. Uh, and then, but by the time they get to you, you've already done your homework. So I just yeah. found that approach very, very different. What was the thinking behind? And I see you smiling. What was the approach behind that? And what do you wish to get out of it? Do you trying to, to filter out the people that are serious versus the people that are not?
1: Yes. Yeah, so at the beginning, I got a, the inquiries that I got was so broad, and people um, just it looked like they just want to get all the information. And then I realized that they when they get it, they actually don't know. They're so overwhelmed with what I've sent them and they don't really understand all the terminology or the, the way that we work and the services that we actually offer. So was, then I brought in the consultations and I do offer, um, these days, I don't, I don't tell people they have to book a consultation. This is more for the people that don't know what services they might need in order to reach their goals. So the the consultation is really just a process that I go through in order to clarify the the services that this client needs, because what they need might not be able to solve their their goals in the end. So let's say, for example, an e-commerce site, they might want to focus on social media um, management, but then they think this is going to bring in the sales for them where I would rather than teach them how to manage their own social media and we rather do the advertising side in order to, to bring in people to their website and convert those people into to paying customers. So that was my thinking behind the consultation process. And like I said, also eliminating the people that might not be a good fit for our business or that we might not be a good fit for them. So it's, it's, it's trying to figure out if we're a good fit for this company.
0: And when did you guys start doing? When did you guys start doing that? The 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 consultation, a pay for consultation. When did you guys start implementing that?
1: Um, it was, I think, it was a year, only a year after I started. Uh, so I first did them for free, mm-hmm. and then uh, the more I got those bookings or the consultations in, I realized how much time it's taking for me, mm. and obviously then I I realized that I'm giving such valuable information in the process. I'm meeting with a client. Um, suggesting suggesting the services and the strategies that I could, it was so valuable that I thought, why not ask a price for this? But then also I refund them on that that fee if they decide to work with us. So they're getting all the information and they can take it and do it themselves or get someone else to implement it for them. But at least once they make use of our services, then they get that money back. (laughs) Of their first <laughs>
0: That is very smart. I've never heard anybody do that before. You just gave me an idea. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> and then obviously with lockdown, we couldn't do the physical con- cons- consultations anymore. And then I switched hmm. to online. So I lowered the price a bit because then I don't have to travel and it's much less time that I actually need to spend on the consultation. So I did lower the price <laughs> at that stage. So
0: so tell me something. Um, do you find that once you implemented that, the the the, there are perhaps less leads but more serious people
1: yes because
0: because I found correct me if I'm wrong I find that when people want things for free those are the people that won't pay for your service because they're used to getting stuff for free
1: yes and believe me I, I do get people that say no I'm not willing to pay that and I said well that's fine with me they're more than happy to get my rate card. I still send them my rate card. So if they want just prices, then I'm happy to send that. And if they then feel that this is something that suits their budget and that they feel they need, then I can still, then I would have a conversation on the phone or via email. They, they don't have to do the consultation. So I do send my rate card out and people can see for themselves huh? if they, if I'm a good fit. And, and the
0: type of customers, do you see any... A patterning a pattern emerging perhaps certain industry, male versus female, uh, the type of businesses they want or the type of sticky point. Do you have you managed to see this is a, a pattern emerging from the people that you work with?
1: Um, I think at the at the beginning of last year, when I tried to niche down a bit onto onto e-commerce, um, it really helped because I changed my whole strategy of content. The content that i create the way that i i change my copy on my website um, so that really helped to drive more of the right people to my site mm-hmm. and to inquire but i do still get a quite a bit of a variety because people find me on google and then they see what services and they don't always look at all the places on the site to see that we specialize in e-commerce so i do still get a, a big variety but i try to um, luckily at this stage i am almost in a position that we i can say no to customers that i feel is not in our ideal client audience um, but it depends <laughs> some months or better than other and then i might take in a bit of work that is not our ideal niche but then i still accommodate them and
0: so speaking uh, i mean speaking of saying no to people i think a lot of businesses mm. struggle because they feel like hey the economy is struggling money is money but i find that it, it might seem like a good opportunity in vertical commerce, but it's actually damaging your business because mm-hmm. it's not what you focus on. So when you say no, what exactly do you say to them? Do you say to them like the classic, hey, Anina, it's not you, it's me. You're wonderful, you're great. It's not you, it's me. Or what exactly do you say to them to say, listen, you're not, you're not right for us?
1: Yeah, I think um, the way I approach it is to say that we do focus on e-commerce lifestyle brands and e-commerce lifestyle
0: okay okay
1: yeah so even i narrowed it even further down to say lifestyle brand because that is what we're passionate about and that we want to focus on and i've I found over the last couple of years that it is so important to to be passionate about the clients that you work with um, because that really helps <laughs> For us to enjoy working with them and being passionate about their business and not only the activities that we do for them, but to believe in their business and, and the product in order to help them sell that online. So I I tell the clients that look, we focus on lifestyle e-commerce brands and we definitely can help you, but I don't think that we are the correct fit for you. And um, especially if it's a totally different industry like finance or um, whatever it is that is not in, in our scope, I tell them that I don't have a lot of experience in that in an industry. And most most of the times the people really say, well, thank you for your honesty. Mm. Um, and I just leave just to be honest and
0: <laughs> okay. just be so,
1: transparent about that. About
0: so I want to chat to you about something. And uh, it's about uh, newsletter marketing. I believe yes. that there's something that you're believing in, um, I think sometimes there's a myth out there like, oh, e-, e newsletter marketing that is old school and blah, blah, blah. So, can you break down for us some of the myths? Like, why do you, do you, like, for a lifestyle brand, let's say one of your clients is in lifestyle and they say to you, like, and you know, I don't believe in e newsletter, even though you can see from the traffic of their site that people are coming in and willing to sign up. What would you say to them? Uh, in in terms of how to change their mind to see how this can actually be beneficial to of running an easy newsletter campaign?
1: Yeah. Um, The one thing that I first tell them is that remember your social media audience is not your own. It's not data that you own. At any time doing your social media strategy or your activities, you can either lose your social media accounts. um, They could be blocked. They could be hacked. They could... (laughs) You could, whatever could happen, and you actually lose that following. So you'll never get that back. Where a newsletter and building your email list is something that, yes, is a, a lot of hard work to build that up. And you need to run constant activities to grow it. But at least that data is your own. So whenever something happens to your social media, you'll still have that to fall back on. Mm. And building that that the the communication and the community on email. Mm. Um, yeah, so that is, that is okay. the first step. And then also that it's measurable and that you can see exactly who opened it, where they clicked, um, who didn't open it. That You can send out a different email to them. Um, so it's there's really so much you can do with that.
0: Okay. And in terms of the... Uh, I remember that there was something that stood out about your conversation with uh, Mr. Warwick is... Uh 90% education, 10% selling. And I think that is such a valid valid point because I subscribe to newsletters, and nothing annoys me more when you know here comes another newsletter from this person, they just just want to sell you something. And guess what? I just unsubscribe. So 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 for, for the somebody that's listening out there, speak to that person, like educate them on this 90-10 rule, please.
1: Yes. Yeah. So obviously you want to create sales through it, but only putting your products in your newsletters and telling them here's a discount. um, This is the product that I'm focusing on this month. That's not going to sell. Obviously that is the 10% um, of it, but doing regular blog posts about your products or your services, um, showing them how other people use it and what other people say about your products, um those type of content is so much more important and that is what people relate to. Um, you you will obviously bring in your products in, in all that content and link it back to that product on the site, but you need to create that that emotion in people and that you can do by these type of content and the blog posts and and how other people feel about your products okay you can get, get right,
0: yeah. so, so out of all the lifestyle product what is the easiest thing for you to for you in your in your opinion what is the easiest thing to sell and what is the hardest thing product-wise mm-hmm. in lifestyle or what is the most unusual thing that your clients trying to sell
1: <laughs> um i think at this stage especially with covid it is the the more luxury products and something that is not really an essential product such as. So, um we've got this one one client that sells picnic um accessories and in, the winter, accessories. Times, yes. okay.
0: in winter time <laughs> so okay.
1: hmm. in winter time obviously we are now helping them to create great ways to to approach it and and to sell it but it is quite difficult, especially if the product is also um, of higher value and not an essential um, item. Then it is quite difficult to sell it.
0: Okay, because I mean I just find it quite interesting. So I remember once I was interviewing uh, Richard uh, Richard McIver, the the, the founder of um, um, Cash Converters, and and I asked him the question: What was the strangest thing or And and I'm not making this up. He said somebody came to uh, one of the stores and trying to sell an ostrich. And they did because I know, right? It's like, huh, what? But their their policy is if you bring it, we will buy it. But I remember Richard is a very smart man. So we will buy it doesn't mean it's the price that you want. We will buy it will give you offer, but it doesn't mean it's what you expected. But I just thought it was somebody trying to sell an ostrich. I don't know. so I just find that fascinating. Okay. Uh, um, uh, picnic accessories. Okay, that's quite an interesting one. Now, I want to find out like you, you, you come across as type, somebody that's always trying to upskill themselves. And um, I, I believe that you are you have that mama bear uh, persona. So I want to ask you that, uh, who are the three people that influence you the most? Like, basically, who taught you what?
1: Yeah. Well, um, the first one is my, I see him as more like a mentor. Um, it was Bharti. He was the one that gave me the Facebook ads training. And we're currently going through some Google ads training with him as well. And he was just always there from the beginning, even when I started at the, the car dealership. That's when I started the training with him. And even ever since I was always he's always willing to answer my calls if I've got any business related questions about the activities that we do, the services that we provide. Um, even though he's in the same business, he was also always so open and to give information and guide me in the in the right direction. So he's really one of the, the one people that I look up to. Mm-hmm. And then um I don't know if you're familiar with Jasmine Starr. She's the founder of Social Curator okay. overseas, but she, I've actually subscribed to Social Curator. It's a it's an online tool where they provide you with first um, ideas and also images um, for lifestyle businesses where you can, and, and then they obviously do training each month. So each month has a different focus and, I've learned such a lot from her over the last couple of years, So, and I still listen to her podcast every week, so um, she's really someone that I look, look up to. And then lastly, I would say my, my husband and my parents and my sister, um, I think not, not always learning something about business from them, but just the way that they always are there to listen to what I'm up to and my goals, and they just always stand by me and cheer me on along the way and that and is so really important,
0: me. isn't it? because being a business oh. owner is lonely
1: it is <laughs> it really it's is.
0: very very lonely i've I've said this on my show so many times, and I don't know if you find the same is people that work nine to five they won't get it they just won't <laughs> they, they 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 just won't get it and and like I'm fortunate enough that my wife is also a, a business owner and she's been in business for 13, 14 years. And yeah. so we can support each other in terms of just understanding because you start a business because you want to solve a problem and you like to help people and your brain don't really shut off and it's hard to shut off. Yeah.
1: So, yeah.
0: so the fact that you say that they provide emotional support, that, that, is, that is very, very good.
1: Yeah. And my sister... And her husband, they actually they own their own business as well, and they are web developers and graphic designers. And we actually they are one of our preferred suppliers, so we work with them on a on a monthly basis. Where they we do the project project management of a website, the copywriting, and then the end over the design phase and the building of the website to them. So we really work so well together, and they've really supported me <laughs> every every time.
0: That is very very cool. Um, Now, I just want to, one last question before we wrap up is, um, I mean, in social media, because there's so many people doing social media, what do you think is the one common myth about your profession, about a social media company? What is the one common myth? And let's debunk it.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I'm not sure if you can really call it a myth, but the thing that I get a lot that my clients think is that we we actually take all the work from them and they don't have to do anything from their side. I think um, what, what I always try to educate my customers and tell them right from the start and be open about it is that, listen, if we start working with your company and your brand, we're not going to do everything. <laughs> there's, there's a certain amount of work that will be needed from your side. And we, we're, we're an outsider to your company. And obviously we work with your your products and your services the whole time, but we still don't know everything about your business. So the communication part on the client side and giving the correct information at the right time is really something that if that doesn't work, the whole working relationship doesn't work. Mm. So I try to always be open and and tell my clients at the beginning that, listen, we're very happy to help you, but on your side, you should also um, do your part Mm. in order to make this work and to get the, the the best results that we can
0: and absolutely and uh, i there's something else that i have also noticed is from the client side the better the clearer that they want to achieve in terms of the the, the clarity of the actual brief the better will help you instead of just say exactly. it's like it's like a chef um you say to a chef cook me something tasty Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Do you like spice? Do you like chili? Do you prefer something hot? Do you, are you vegan? Do you eat meat? You know, it's, it's like sometimes they, they don't know what the brief is. And for you, it takes longer and it just wastes time. So the clearer the yeah. brief, the better. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, for, the, for the business owners that's out there, if they say, oh, wow, I've got a lifestyle brand and I've got an e-commerce and uh, I think I need her help. Where is the best place to get hold of you?
1: Yeah, so I think the the best place to start looking is our website, which is BritishSocial.co.za. And on there, they will find my social media links and our main channel is Instagram. And you can find us there on GetBritishSocial and then also on Facebook, BritishSocial.
0: Awesome. And you know, thank you so much for your time. It's much appreciated.
1: Yes, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: If you would like to connect with Charles, get in touch with him on LinkedIn, Charles Schwinn, or follow him on Instagram, Today. Till next time.